Hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 28. I'm here alone today because my like doing these podcasts, you do have a lot of guests lined up, but things happen, you know, life. Um, I had the same guy, actually, he got sick and then I had to postpone and then again he got busy, so then we had to postpone again and that's happened to me like a couple of times now. So in the podcasting world, if you do have guests, sometimes that happens, so I'm going to improvise. I'm going to make my own little podcast. And since it is the end of 2019, I think it's a a good opportunity to tell you about my year, have a little 2019 recap, everything that happened. So I'm going to go over my back surgery, female fight league, um, what happened in my dad's uh, Muay Thai festival, you know, some traveling, looked at Muay Thai, um, getting over my back surgery and also studying the podcast and studying a master's degree. So actually a lot happened this year. So uh, stay tuned. I hope um, you enjoy or you find this interesting, you know. Okay, so I'll start a little bit back in 2018. At the end of 2018, I knew like I was going to have back surgery I went to a few different hospitals got different opinions um lastly I went to BNH hospital and it's a very expensive hospital in Bangkok in Ceylon Road and the doctor suggested that I have a lift surgery which is spinal fusion um from anterior from the front so they go through your stomach uh then later they told us the prices and it was ridiculously expensive. So uh, I told my parents, they were a bit like, oh, fuck, basically. <laughs> Very expensive. So what we did is, well, my dad's secretary, how nice of her, she tracked this doctor down. And a lot of these doctors in Thailand, when they graduate from Chula uh, university or Chula Medical University, they have to pay a due to the um, to the institution. So wherever they work, even though say he works at BNH Hospital, he also has to work maybe one once a week or twice a week at this government hospital, Chula Long Khan, uh, Chula Long Khan Hospital. So she tracked him down. He was only there uh, just seeing patients just one one day a week. We managed to get an appointment with him that was just in January 2019. I think it was like January 2nd or January 3rd. And we're on the process to getting this back surgery at a much cheaper price. And at the time, I still didn't know how much it would cost. But, you know, we may as well go to a government hospital because we knew it would be cheaper. So actually, I will talk a little bit more about that. So what happened but I will also talk about what else happened during that same sort of time so we can go through like at the time lapse. Um, also at the end of 2018, on the 20th of December, I got news from one of my Chinese uh, WMO partners that they wanted us to promote a female fight or a Muay Thai fight in Thailand in January. And I was like, wow, it's December 20th. You want me to promote an entire fight on January 20th. That's that's the date that they gave me. I was like, one month, first we have Christmas, we have New Year, 
you know, you want me to organize everything in one month when we have all these holidays. I was like, okay, let me see. So I was quite lucky at the same time. You may have seen my friend Maya. She uh, rocked up at, at my gym. And that's the first time we met around that time in December. And I said to her, I was like, when we just met, we literally just met. I said, no, I need some help looking for like trying to make this fight. And, you know, I'm looking for someone to help me and this and that. And we started talking and she was interested in Muay Thai. So we're like, okay, let's do it. You and I, two of us, just two girls hosting this entire female fight in just one month. So, uh, they decided they wanted to do it in Pattaya. So over this time, we were like driving back and forth from Pattaya. And this was like around Christmas time. Then we had to organize with the media, organize um, all the fighters, organize so many different things. I had initially had Nong um, Nen on my card to fight. And I, I think it was actually around, it was around December, or maybe it was earlier they told me about the fight, but around December 20th, or maybe it was, she committed suicide, if you may have known Nong Nen. So um, terrible, terrible tragedy and like so sad that that happened. And she will always be in my memory. She was such an amazing person, an amazing fighter. So I just want to like talk about that a little bit as well. So we'll, we'll go into that area throughout the podcast. Anyway, so then um, having her do this thing and initially we were supposed to have six fights we decreased it to five fights just in honor of her and instead of having an extra fight we made this montage video of her um, in respect to her um okay so we'll go into january now so into january i went to the hospital to see the doctor and um we had an x-ray I think, I'm not sure if we had an MRI at that time. Definitely had an x-ray. And he was like, yep, your disc is fucked and you need to, definitely need to get the surgery. I mean, he'd seen it at B&H anyway. But being at Chula, uh, you also have students with you as well. So this guy being like an Adan, a top, top doctor, teacher, he had to have these student doctors with him. So like they had to go through the, the process over again and tell these students at the same time. And he was like, you know, uh, you can have your surgery here, but you will have these students in the room with you at the same time. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, and it was a whole like gang of like university students in the same room, and I'm like on a table, like <laughs> flat out naked, <laughs> maybe naked, but I had like a blanket over me, you know. Anyway, yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, going to a government hospital, Chula, it's such a process. So even though I had my initial appointment with the doctor in January just to see and talk with him, two weeks, I had to wait two weeks after that to get blood tests and to get other tests to see if everything was fine. And then I think it was like another two weeks after that. And then, so the last one, they were like, okay, we'll call you about my surgery. And I was like, okay. Okay, so then I just waited. So whatever, I just left that left that to that, waited for the call. Still in January... We um going back to the fights now. Uh, we were able to get all the fighters together, organize the clothes for the fighters, organize the weigh-ins, media, um, get some guests coming in, 
all these different things just in that one month and we pulled it off and on January 20th we had the first female fight league event in Pattaya at Bowen Arena. It was so awesome. It was really, really, really cool. Like uh, all the girls came down, we got them accommodation. We had the weigh-in at Hooters in Padilla, which they were also awesome. They, like they had the weigh-in and then they gave us a buffet afterwards. The next day was the fights. Um, me and Maya were actually in Pattaya just two nights before, hustling, going around Walking Street, going around Padilla to all the bars and all the all the restaurants, whatever, giving out flyers, trying to like market the event, you know, spread word of mouth. So we did that ourselves. In fact, me and Maya, oh my God, we worked so hard. We were just going around Bangkok, going around Padilla, contacting all the Muay Thai gyms, going around so many different places promoting this event. So like respect to her for helping me with that a lot. So yeah, the fight happened. It was so fun. It was exactly how I envisioned it. But there was like um, one problem, like one of the girls pulled out a few days prior. So I had to replace her and she was fight- She was on the main event. So that was a tough one to deal with. And now I realize like in fights promoting Muay Thai, so many fighters are going to pull out and you have to contact people really fast, try and replace these fighters try and do all these different things and it's it's madness promoting fights is madness I had a little bit of an argument because I said like promoting fights is more difficult than fighting one fighter was like no fighting is definitely more difficult it's definitely not okay promoting a Muay Thai fight or promoting any fight is so difficult because you have to handle so many different areas that you can't even imagine things that you wouldn't think of like pop up so yeah of course fighters pulling out it happens you have to be prepared for that and be able to like be on it and contact as many people as you can and get a replacement fighter. Anyway, all the girls were super happy. The event was cool and everything was cool. Yeah. So then uh, let's, let's skip forward to March. Um, we decided to, well, it was the International and Time Martial Arts Games and Festival that my dad hosts in Bangkok. And on the 8th of March, uh, Myself and Maya held a Muay Thai and self-defense event for females, which was really, really cool. Despite the fact that just a few days prior to that, the hospital called me and they said, yeah, um, you're going to have your surgery on March 12th. I said, what? Um, like, can it not be after that? Because, like, you know, it was my dad's festival during that time. I'm like, no, like this is a government hospital. You cannot choose the date. Just a phone call, just like that, simple like that. I was like, oh, um, I was driving at the time. I was like a bit panicky. I was like, oh my God, next week they want me to have surgery that fast. Like, So I was like, okay, um, well, I need to tell my parents first. Can you call me back in a few hours? Okay, fine. They'll call me back in a few hours. So I called my mom straight away. I'm like, mom, oh my God, I'm freaking out. They want me to have surgery next week. It's during the games. What shall I do? She's like, do it. You know, if you keep on holding holding it off, then you might lose the opportunity. And this is the opportunity to do it. Because like this hospital is really difficult to get a spot. Like they're full, very, very full. Because like I say, it's a government hospital. Which, by the way, it was half the price than it would be at the other hospital I was talking about, the private one. So half of the price. So 
really, really great. So, okay, fine. Do I will do the surgery then. So I completely missed my dad's festival. I had to go there on the, I had to go to the hospital on the 11th, checking on the 11th. And, I'm there, and my mom stays with me, thank God. Like, Yeah, so I, we went into the private area of Chula Hospital. Really nice. Like, if you go to, like, first you go, when you go in to check in, the, the initial area is so disgusting. And, and, like, so many people, so crowded. But the private area where I had the surgery, oh, my God. It was, it was like a private hospital. So nice. And the, the nurses took good care of me and... My room was like high up and we had like the view of Lumpini Park. So yeah, that was like, I felt much better, to be honest. I was stressing out a bit about the hospital, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, what a relief. So yeah, I just chilled in my hospital room and they came in, giving me all these drugs, I think, I can't remember, probably, <laughs> Check, checking my, my pulse and my uh, blood pressure very often. And they said, okay, so we'll come and get you around, I think it was like around 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., something like that. And like, of course, I couldn't really sleep properly anyway. You know, I wake up around that time, very early, take a quick shower, and they come into my room, and then that's it. Like, oh, um, I think they made me go into like this other bed. And then they like wheeled me out. Yeah, that was it. I had to like lie into this like stretched bed and they wheeled me out and they wheeled me into the elevator. And like I was covering my face with I think with the blanket and my mom was with me. She was like, Why are you covering your face? I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> like this is so scary. Like imagine being wheeled out on a bed into an elevator, you know, you go you go in to get major surgery. It was terrifying. So I go into the elevator. And we go down, I'm just there with the blanket over me. I'm like, oh shit. And then like, they're like, okay, sorry, madam, you have to like sit outside now. So then she went back up to the room, left me. And then they put me into this other room, which was like just a room full of all these beds. And like a lot of them were empty, but a couple of them had other people who were waiting for other types of surgery. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is, what is this? <laughs> so I feel like I'm in a meat factory. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so then after that, I wait in that little room. And then I think they do something. I'll check my blood pressure. They check my blood pressure like so many times. And then uh, they take me into the surgery room. It's a big room, big empty room. Not empty, but big room. And then all these students were in there. So many of them. And like I had my little like uh, a nightgown on. And then I had to take it off. I have a blanket on me. I'm like, oh my god! I'm like literally like butt naked now, butt naked on this freaking bed with the blanket on me. And then they like had my arms so like strapped like Jesus. <laughs> they strapped my arms, up. and then they just like start injecting the uh, anesthesia into my veins. And I'm freak, a little bit freaking out inside, but at the same time, I'm not because I've been injected with this thing that's like going to make me pass out. So I'm like talking. And then like the, the, the nurses very nicely were like talking me through it, talking me into it. And then all of a sudden, lights out. I'm gone. Next thing I know it, I wake up and I'm in a different room. I'm back. I'm in a similar room, like where that, all those beds were before, with like other people, 
but I'm in so much pain. Like my back oh, hurts. I can't imagine, like I can't even explain like how the pain that I felt at that that moment when I woke up, like it was crazy. I was so, I I felt like, so I, I did, I yelled to the, the nurse and I was like, give me a pillow, like put a pillow underneath my knees right now. That's the first thing. I was like, put a pillow underneath my knees. Get me a pillow underneath my knees. Because I felt like my back had been, was arched. I mean, it kind of is extra arched already, like a hyperlordosis. It was arched. So I had a lot of pressure on my lower back where the surgery, where the screws were. A lot of pressure there and I felt it even more. So I was like, if you put a pillow underneath my knees, I can flatten my back on the bed. So that's why I yelled for that. So they came over, put a pillow on, and then she just, whoop, another injection in my in my veins and... I was fine again. <laughs> morphine. Morphine is great when you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. So she gave me that and I was like, okay, fine. Like it's cooling down like much better. Then, uh, yeah. So then after that, after I woke up, they wheeled me all the way back up into the elevator and then to the room where my mom was sat, probably sat there as like a nervous wreck. For me, it was like, boom, 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 like so fast. Obviously I was passed out. I think she was sat panicking in the be- in the bedroom for like <laughs> I don't know how many hours. <laughs> so yeah, they open the door and she comes in. She comes like running over to me. She's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "I'm okay." I'm, like I was a little bit out of it, you know, but I was okay. And then they kind of like had to. Sh- I didn't really move myself. I think they moved me from that little bed to my actual bed. And then oh, okay. So then yeah. They're like doing all these things again, checking my blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this is so funny. I'm like, why does my vagina feel weird? <laughs> why does my vagina feel weird? I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and they put a capacitor on there. You know what that is? It's like, you know, a bag where you pee. The bag where you pee. So I, could, I wasn't able to get up and walk to the toilet. I couldn't move. So they had this bag there. I was like, I was like, oh no, <laughs> who did this? <laughs> I was like, no. I, was, I think I was more freaked out about that than my surgery. Yeah. So then I had like this big plaster on my um, belly, obviously, because that's where they cut me open. And then I don't think they showed it me that time yet. I had to wait a bit. So yeah. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. I was in the hospital for like a good few days, maybe like three or four days after the surgery. I think I checked out on the fourth day. Yeah. Um, but throughout those few days, the nurses were coming in constantly, shoving morphine into me and making me eat medicine. And I had little gangs of these students come in, like in different times. So like first it'd be a gang of like boy students that come in and they ask me all these questions and then a bunch of girl students would come in and ask me all these questions. So actually, like, even though it had all these people, like, observing me, like, I was their school project, it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of fun. Like, um, you know, like, give me entertainment anyway, because otherwise I'm just going to be sat in a hospital room doing nothing, you know? Yeah. So after the surgery, uh, I, as I said, my dad's championships, his festival was going on. 
you know, I could watch it on Facebook Live. I actually hired someone to film it live so I could watch it whilst I was in the bed. And then my dad came and my brother came and they were like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. As, as, as okay as you could be, you know, following that. And I think, yeah, the day, the day after the doctor came over to me, who did the surgery, and he made me stand up and then they like got me walking quite fast as well. And they showed me like this, they, go, they gave me this little jar. I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, that's your disc. I was like, oh, oh, um, yeah. What do you want me to do with it? They're like, yeah, you can keep it. I'm like, will it go off? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then I don't want to keep it. Why would I want to keep some disgusting disc that's going to go all moldy and rotty? I'm like, so anyway, I gave it back to them. They took it. Uh, but yeah, I got working really, really fast and the doctor was happy with that. I mean, he gets to, he took a photo and video and he, and he can show his next future clients that obviously. But anyway, he did really good. So thank you. Okay. So yeah, the festival, so much drama happened during that. I actually got called in by the WKA guys. Like as soon as I got out of the hospital, they were like, Jade, can you come over and have a meeting with us and like, just talk about things and whatever. So then, yeah, I just, just days after surgery, I had to go to the, um, the hotel, the main hotel they were at and have a meeting with them. And yeah, I'm not sure how, how, well or not the games went really that year but I do know there was a lot of drama a lot of inside people which have been doing the same thing year after year okay um my dad had an initial team that maybe some of you people have seen these familiar faces year after year after year but they've been like lying and cheating for my dad for so long these Thai people so if you come to the games next year 2020 and you don't see these faces then you will know who, okay? I mean, and I'm not going to say exactly what, but like, you know, like a lot of equipment went missing and I've even heard of like a lot of fake certificates were being sold, like they made copies of this and that. So like, yeah, these people, one guy used to work at our gym, he's not there anymore. So you can try and do some digging and figure out who that is. All right. So in April, just a month after, my fighter Penlit was going to fight in London in Muay Thai Grand Prix promotion. Uh, so I had to arrange all of his visa and this and that. And obviously, I have a British passport, so I had to go with him. I'm like, oh my god, it's one month after my surgery. I'm not even sure if this is, if this is allowed, but I had to wear a, like a back brace for so long. So I was wearing that and, you know, I went through the airport like little metal detector and I was like, oh my God, am I going to beep? But I didn't, I didn't beep because apparently the screws are so deep in your body that it doesn't um, set it off. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, went to London. That was a bit awkward. I had to like, on the plane, I had to stand up and sit down like so many different times and walk around and stretch. Yeah. I don't like doing that. I feel like paranoid. If I saw someone else doing that whilst I was on the plane, I'd be paranoid. Like, why is this person moving around so much? But anyway, yeah, so Penlit looked afar. He won. He was super cool. We stayed in London for like three days and then came back. It was exhausting. In May, 
we went, I went, I went to China with my dad and we were supposed to be looking into promoting fights there, but, um, the Chinese contact very on and off. So I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Not anytime soon. That's for sure. Then after that, I had a little bit of a rant on Facebook about Muay Thai and a lot of people watched it and seemed to agree with me. And I actually called it the death of Muay Thai in Thailand because, you know, I was talking about how you can't get sponsors here. People are very backstabby and cheating and lying and this and that and that. Um, People don't market the sport properly and they don't see the long-term growth. They don't plan the long-term growth so well. They just plan for the now. It's very Buddhist though. Like being being in the moment is very Buddhist. So you may notice this within the character of the people in Thailand. Anyway, so yeah, I had a little bit of a rant. And uh, my good friend Joel from Bangkok University contacted me about doing podcasts after that. Because luckily he has been doing podcasts for himself. And... Yeah, we met up and we spoke about doing this. So here we are today. And it's funny because I actually hated talking and I was so crap at it at the beginning. I was so scared and I feel like now I'm doing okay. <laughs> so yeah, you, you have to challenge yourself. Like get out of your comfort zone, do something new, learn something new, which is so true because, you know, last year I learned salsa, I learned bachata, I learned how to do basic Photoshop, you know, I've learned how to do basic WordPress. You know, you're always, you're constantly learning. So you constantly have to challenge yourself to do something new and also to improve yourself as well. So I feel like my, my talking is getting a little bit better now, which is great. I'm also trying to read more. So like it can help my vocabulary at the same time. <laughs> you know, when you live in Thailand, especially when you're working in a Muay Thai gym, your English tends to get a little bit crap basically so I'm speaking like this horrible mixed Thai English sort of way Tinglish right that's what they call it yeah okay so yeah so we started doing this and then yeah it's going good I had I have episodes with Senchai and Champuk and so many cool guests that you definitely need to check them all out yeah all right so let's move on to June there was more drama coming back from the games the world games um, a, a woman who'd been working with my dad for a long time, we found out she stole so much money. She was like the biggest scammer ever. Oh my God, my dad lost so much. And like this woman had, she was supposed to be a family friend. You know, you may know her. She looks like that freaking secretary from the Incredibles cartoon movie, little black hair and glasses. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So my dad was like, really really down and stressed and all the above you know like he actually became a monk for nine days because of it he felt like that could help him clear his mind or get some good camera back and this and that and he's never actually been a monk before you know usually Thai men once in their life they're a monk and it's usually like quite younger but my dad at 65 years old became a monk just after his birthday because of all this, all these people who've been like fucking him over. But that's why another reason why I had a rant about Muay Thai. Because I feel like in this industry, it's so shitty, it's so corrupt, and there's so many people you just cannot trust. Anyway, so yeah, he became a monk, and I was like, all right, well, you're gonna run away and do that, and I was like, fine. 
I was like, okay, I want to go somewhere too. I want to do something too. So then I was like, mom, like maybe I want, uh, can I just like go like on a vacation, suppose my friends in America. And then I went to California after, after my dad's whole monk thing. So late June, I went to California and I've not been there since 2015, 2016. Yeah, 2016, June is when I left. Yeah, so then um, I went there and saw my friends. And, like, it just wasn't how it used to be. Like, mm, there's a lot, a lot, a lot more homeless people in, the, in California. That's for sure. I feel like people live in this fake reality you know, like they try and pretend that everything's good, everything's not really that good, or they spend a lot of money on things to show off and they don't have that money. And I feel like people need to snap back to reality. Hey, what line is that? Snap back to reality. <laughs> no, but yeah, they need to see reality a little bit more, you know, like focus on yourself. Don't focus on the other people around and don't focus on what people see. You need to see yourself first and I feel like a lot of people have lost their way in that sense so I thought yeah this is not fun like yeah it was cool to go around California and see the old places that I used to go and check out some new places yeah we met some nice people but yeah in the end I was like damn like you know like people just seem lost it was probably because of social media and so many different factors but still you know Anyway, so after that, I was like, you know, I've been doing sports and Muay Thai and being very active and this and that, and I've had back surgery, you know, and I, I've, during my recovery stage, I, I feel like I've done a lot of self-learning, you know, I've been reading, I've been watching a lot of documentaries, I've been finding a lot of interest in different topics, and I found a big interest in psychology, so... And I was thinking, you know, I do want to continue my studies. I want to do a master's degree. And I was like juggling between the idea of doing an MBA in business or a, a master's degree in psychology. So I was talking to a few people and I thought like, if I want to do business really, then it's something you can actually learn on yourself, on your own. You know, you can watch YouTube videos, you can buy books, you can learn through experience, but psychology, I feel like you would have to go to school to learn psychology. You cannot be a practicing psychologist from a YouTube video. You know what I mean? You can be a business person, but not a, not a psychologist. So, yeah. So then, like, in July, I applied for Assumption University. That's the only international university that does um, a master's in counseling psychology in English language. So I applied to them and I had my interview and it was pretty late to be honest. And they're like, are you ready? It starts like in like next month, which was like two weeks, two weeks away. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Like what else am I going to do? You know, why, why would I contact you and tell you I want to start in August if I'm not ready? And then, yeah. So they, I did that. I had my exam, everything was fine. And I, in August I started Assumption University. Uh, yeah great I love it I think um studying going back to school is such an amazing thing and we had that podcast about going back to your university and and education at a later age and I think it's so true and it's so good because um we don't fully 
fully develop cognitively or the way that we think until like our 20s or even late 20s, you know, the way that we think is different. So I'm so glad that I made this decision and I feel like it will be a complete new direction for my life and change my life a lot because like I said, with my back surgery, the whole active life is not a good idea for my long-term well-being right so yeah psychology is absolutely great loving it um i still did try and push female fight league a little bit uh me and maya during that whole few months after the first one we we wanted to promote more fights but we were contacting so many different sponsors and just no one no one took much interest like another reason why i did that rant because all these different muay thai events are asking the same sponsors you know and it's just so competitive and the sponsors are now not really seeing so much of a long-term benefit or not much of a, a return in their investment. So I kind of canceled that, not canceled it, but just put it to the side. Saying that we did continue the Muay Thai self-defense class. We had one in Prompong next to K village. Uh, it was a free one cause I still wanted to kind of get the name out there. And it went well, a lot, like a few people came. I think it was like around 12 people came, which is okay because it was raining, it's rainy season and like people just don't want to go anywhere in the rainy season. So actually maybe it was less than 12. I think 12 confirmed. But anyway, yeah, it was cool. But then we had some disagreement with the location. So then that kind of flopped, whatever. It was nice. Then in September, continuing university, um, but another friend of mine who I went to uh, international high school with in Bangkok, um, he committed suicide. And it, it's such a shame because this person I was actually talking to like early in that month, or maybe it was like July, I suppose. But not. So there was September he committed suicide. Then I think it was October, August that I was speaking to him, or early September. Yeah. And like, it was someone, hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 28. I'm here alone today because my, like, doing these podcasts, you do have a lot of guests lined up, but things happen, you know, life. Um, I had the same guy, actually, he got sick and then I had to postpone and then again he got busy, so then we had to postpone again and that's happened to me like a couple of times now. So in the podcasting world, if you do have guests, sometimes that happens so I'm going to improvise I'm going to make my own little podcast and since it is the end of 2019 I think it's a a good opportunity to tell you about my year have a little 2019 recap everything that happened so I'm going to go over my back surgery female fight league um, what happened in my dad's uh, Muay Thai festival you know, some traveling, looked at Muay Thai, um, getting over my back surgery and also studying the podcast and studying a master's degree. So actually a lot happened this year. So uh, stay tuned. I hope um, you enjoy or you find this interesting, you know. Okay, so I'll start a little bit back in 2018. At the end of 2018, I knew like I was going to have back surgery I went to a few different hospitals got different opinions um lastly I went to BNH hospital 
And it's a very expensive hospital in Bangkok in Ceylon Road. And the doctor suggested that I have a lift surgery, which is spinal fusion um, from anterior, from the front, so they go through your stomach. Uh, then later they told us the prices and is it was ridiculously expensive. So uh, I told my parents they were a bit like, oh, fuck, basically. <laughs> Very expensive. So what we did is, well, my dad's secretary, how nice of her, she tracked this doctor down. And a lot of these doctors in Thailand, when they graduate from Chula uh, University or Chula Medical University, they have to pay a due to the um, to the institution. So wherever they work, even though say he works at BNH Hospital, he also has to work maybe one once a week or twice a week at this government hospital, Chula Long Khan uh, Hospital. So she tracked him down. He was only there uh, just seeing patients just one one day a week. We managed to get an appointment with him that was just in January. 2019 I think it was like January 2nd or January 3rd and we're on the process to getting this back surgery at a much cheaper price and at the time I still didn't know how much it would cost but you know we may as well go to a government hospital because we knew it would be cheaper so actually I will talk a little bit more about that so what happened but I will also talk about what else happened during that same sort of time so we can go through like at the time lapse um also at the end of 2018 on the 20th of December I got news from one of my Chinese uh, WMO partners that they wanted us to promote a female fight or a Muay Thai fight in Thailand in January and I was like wow it's December 20th you want me to promote an entire fight on January 20th that's, a, that, that's the date that they gave me I was like, one month, first we have Christmas, we have New Year. You know, you want me to organize everything in one month when we have all these holidays. I was like, okay, let me see. So I was quite lucky at the same time. You may have seen my friend Maya. She uh, rocked up at, at my gym. And that's the first time we met around that time in December. And I said to her, I was like, when we just met, we literally just met. I said, no, I need some help looking for like trying to make this fight and you know I'm looking for someone to help me and this and that and we started talking and she was interested in Muay Thai so we're like okay let's do it you and I two of us just two girls hosting this entire female fight in just one month so uh they decided they wanted to do it in Pattaya so over this time we were like driving back and forth from Pattaya and this was like around Christmas time then we had to organize with the media, organize um, all the fighters, organize so many different things. I had initially had um, Nong Nen on my card to fight. And I, I think it was actually around, it was around December, or maybe it was earlier they told me about the fight, but around December 20th, or maybe it was, she committed suicide, if you may have known Nong Nen. So, um, terrible terrible tragedy and like so sad that that happened and she will always be in my memory she was such an amazing person an amazing fighter so I just want to like talk about that a little bit as well so we'll, we'll go into 
that area throughout the podcast. Anyway, so then um, having her do this thing, initially we were supposed to have six fights. We decreased it to five fights just in honor of her. And instead of having an extra fight, we made this montage video of her um, in respect to her. Um, Okay, so we'll go into January now. So into January, I went to the hospital to see the doctor and um, we had an x-ray. I think, I'm not sure if we had an MRI at that time. Definitely had an x-ray. And he was like, yep, your disc is fucked and you need to, definitely need to get the surgery. I mean, he'd seen it at B&H anyway. But being at Chuler, uh, you also have students with you as well. So this guy being like an Ajan, a top top doctor, teacher, he had to have these student doctors with him. So like he had to go through the, the process over again and tell these students at the same time. And he was like, you know, uh, you can have your surgery here, but you will have these students in the room with you at the same time. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like it was a whole like gang of like university students in the same room and I'm like on a table like <laughs> flat off naked <laughs> maybe naked but I had like a blanket over me you know anyway yeah I'll talk a little bit more about that so going to a government hospital Chula it's such a process so even though I had my initial appointment with the doctor in January just to see and talk with him two weeks I had to wait two weeks after that to get blood tests and to get other tests to see if everything was fine and then I think it was like another two weeks after that and then, so the last one, they were like, okay, we'll call you about my surgery. And I was like, okay. Okay, so then I just waited. So whatever, I just left that, left that to that, waited for the call. Still in January, we, um, going back to the fights now, uh, we were able to get all the fighters together, organize the clothes for the fighters, organize the weigh-ins, media, um, get some guests coming in, all these different things just in that one month. And we pulled it off. And on January 20th, we had the first female fight league event in Pattaya at Bone Arena. It was so awesome. It was really, really, really cool. Like uh, all the girls came down, we got them accommodation. We had the weigh-in at Hooters in Pattaya, which they were also awesome. They, like they had the weigh-in and then they gave us a buffet afterwards. The next day, was the fights. Um, me and Maya were actually in Pattaya just two nights before, hustling, going around Walking Street, going around Pattaya to all the bars and all the all the restaurants, whatever, giving out flyers, trying to like market the event, you know, spread word of mouth. So we did that ourselves. In fact, me and Maya, oh my God, we worked so hard. We were just going around Bangkok, going around Pattaya, contacting all the Muay Thai gyms, going around so many different places promoting this event. So like respect to her for helping me with that a lot. So yeah, the fight happened. It was so fun. It was exactly how I envisioned it. But there was like um, one problem, like one of the girls pulled out a few days prior. So I had to replace her and she was fight- She was on the ma- main event. So that was a tough one to deal with. And now I realize like in fights promoting Muay Thai, so many fighters are going to pull out and you have to contact people really fast, try and replace these fighters, try and do all these different things. And 
It's it's madness. Promoting fights is madness. I had a little bit of an argument because I said like promoting fights is more difficult than fighting. One fighter was like, no, fighting is definitely more difficult. It's definitely not. Okay. Promoting a Muay Thai fight or promoting any fight is so difficult because you have to handle so many different areas that you can't even imagine. Things that you wouldn't think of like pop up. So yeah, of course, fighters pulling out, it happens. You have to be prepared for that and be able to like be on it and contact as many people as you can and get a replacement fighter. Anyway, all the girls were super happy. The event was cool and everything was cool. Yeah. So then uh, let's, let's skip forward to March. Um, we decided to, well, it was the International and Time Martial Arts Games and Festival that my dad hosts in Bangkok. And on the 8th of March, uh, myself and Maya held a Muay Thai and self-defense event for females, which was really, really cool. Despite the fact that just a few days prior to that, the hospital called me and they said, yeah, um, you're going to have your surgery on March 12th. I said, what? Um, like, can it not be after that? Because, like, you know, it was my dad's festival during that time. And like, no, like this is a government hospital. You cannot choose the date. Just a phone call, just like that, simple like that. I was like, oh, um, I was driving at the time. I was like a bit panicky. I was like, oh my God, next week they want me to have surgery that fast. Like, so I was like, okay, um, well, I need to tell my parents first. Can you call me back in a few hours? Okay, fine. They'll call me back in a few hours. So I called my mom straight away. I'm like, mom, oh my God, I'm freaking out. They want me to have surgery next week. It's during the games. What shall I do? She's like, do it. You know, if you keep on holding it, holding it off, then you might lose the opportunity. And this is the opportunity to do it. Because, like, this hospital is really difficult to get a spot. Like, they're full. Very, very full. Because, like I say, it's a government hospital. Which, by the way, it was half the price than it would be at the other hospital I was talking about, the private one. So half of the price. So really, really great. So, okay, fine. I will do the surgery then. So I completely missed my dad's festival. I had to go there on the, I had to go to the hospital on the 11th, checking on the 11th. And and my mom stays with me, thank God. Like, yeah. So we went into the private area of Chula Hospital. Really nice. Like, if you go to like, first you go, when you go in to check in, the the initial area is so disgusting. And, And like, so many people, so crowded. But the private area where I had the surgery, oh my god, it was it was like a private hospital, so nice. And the, the nurses took good care of me, and my room was like high up, and we had like the view of Lumpini Park. So yeah, it, that was like I felt much better to be honest. I was stressing out a bit about the hospital, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, what a relief. So yeah, I just chilled in my hospital room, and. They came in, giving me all these drugs, I think. I can't remember, probably. <laughs> Check, checking my my pulse and my uh, blood pressure very often. And they said, okay, so we'll come and get you around, I think it was like around 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., something like that. And like, of course, I, I couldn't really sleep properly anyway. You know, I wake up around that time very early, take a quick shower, and they come into my room and then that's it. Like, oh, um, 
I think they made me go into like this other bed and then they like wheeled me out. Yeah, that was it. I had to like lie into this like stretched bed and they wheeled me out and they wheeled me into the elevator. And like I was covering my face with I think with the blanket and my mom was with me. She was like, Why are you covering your face? I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> like this is so scary. Like imagine being wheeled out on a bed into an elevator, you know, you go you go in to get major surgery. It was terrifying. So I go into the elevator and we go down. I'm just there with the blanket over me. I'm like, oh shit. And then like, they're like, okay, sorry, madam, you have to like sit outside now. So then she went back up to the room, left me. And then they put me into this other room, which was like just a room full of all these beds. And like a lot of them were empty, but a couple of them had other people who were waiting for other types of surgery. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is, what is this? <laughs> so I feel like I'm in a meat factory. <laughs> okay so yeah so then after that I wait in that little room and then I think they do something now check my blood pressure they check my blood pressure like so many times and then uh they take me into the surgery room it's a big room big empty room not empty but big room and then all these students were in there so many of them and like I had my little like uh a nightgown on and then I had to take it off and have a blanket on me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like literally like butt naked now, butt naked on this freaking bed with the blanket on me. And then they like had my arms like strapped like Jesus. <laughs> they strapped my arms up. And then they just like start injecting the uh, anesthesia into my veins. And I'm freak, a little bit freaking out inside, but at the same time, I'm not because I've been injected with this thing that's like going to make me pass out. So I'm like talking. And then like the, the, the nurses very nicely were like talking me through it, talking me into it. And then all of a sudden, lights out. I'm gone. Next thing I know it, I wake up and I'm in a different room. I'm back. I'm in a similar room, like where that all those beds were before, with like other people. But I'm in so much pain. Like my back oh, hurts. I can't imagine. Like I can't even explain like how the pain that I felt at that that moment when I woke up. Like it was crazy. I was so I I felt like. So I, what I did, I yelled to the, the nurse and I was like, give me a pillow, like put a pillow underneath my knees right now. That's the first thing. I was like, put a pillow underneath my knees. Get me a pillow underneath my knees. Because I felt like my back had been, was arched. I mean, it kind of is extra arched already, like a hyperlordosis. It was arched. So I had a lot of pressure on my lower back where the surgery, where the screws were. I had a lot of pressure there and I felt it even more. So I was like, if you put a pillow underneath my knees, I can flatten my back back on the bed so that's why I yelled for that so they came over put a pillow on and then she just whoop another injection in my in my veins and I was fine again <laughs> morphine morphine is great when you're in a lot of pain yeah so she gave me that and I was like okay fine like it's cooling down like much better then uh yeah so then after that after I woke up they wheeled me all the way back up into the elevator and then to the room where my mom was sat, probably sat there as like a nervous wreck. For me, it was like, boom, 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 like so fast. Obviously, I was passed out. I think she was sat panicking in the, be in the bedroom for like, <laughs> I don't know how many hours. 
So, yeah, they open the door and she comes in. She comes like running over to me. She's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm okay. Like I was a little bit out of it, you know, but I was okay. And then they kind of like had to, I didn't really move myself. I think they moved me from that little bed to my actual bed. And then, okay, so then, yeah, they're like doing all these things again, checking my blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) this is so funny. I'm like, why does my vagina feel weird? (laughs) Why does my vagina feel weird? Like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And they put a capacitor on there. You know what that is? It's like, you know, a bag where you pee. The bag where you pee. So I I wasn't able to get up and walk to the toilet. I couldn't move. So they had this bag there. I was like, I was like, oh no, (laughs) who did this? (laughs) I was like, no. I I think I was more freaked out about that than my surgery. Yeah. So then I had like this big plaster on my um, belly, obviously, because that's where they cut me open. And then I don't think they showed it me that time yet. I had to wait a bit. So yeah. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. I was in the hospital for like a good few days, maybe like three or four days after the surgery. I think I checked out on the fourth day. Yeah. Um, But throughout those few days, the nurses were coming in constantly, shoving morphine into me and making me eat medicine. And I had little gangs of these students come in like in different times so like first it'd be a gang of like boy students that come in and they ask me all these questions and then a bunch of girl students would come in and ask me all these questions so actually like even though it had all these people like observing me like I was their school project it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of fun like um you know like give me entertainment anyway because otherwise I'm just gonna be sat in a hospital room doing nothing you know yeah. So after the surgery, uh, I, as I said, my dad's championships, his festival was going on. You know, I could watch it on Facebook Live. I actually hired someone to film it live so I could watch it whilst I was in the bed. And then my dad came and my brother came and they were like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess as, as, a, as okay as you could be, you know, following that. And I think, yeah, the day, the day after the doctor came over to me, who did the surgery and he made me stand up and then they like got me walking quite fast as well. And they showed me like this, they they gave me this little jar. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, that's your disc. I was like, Oh, Oh, um, yeah. What do you want me to do with it? They're like, yeah, you can keep it. I'm like, will it go off? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then I don't want to keep it. Why would I want to keep some disgusting disc that's going to go all moldy and rotty? And like, so anyway, I gave it back to them. They took it. Uh, but yeah, I got working really, really fast. And the doctor was happy with that. I mean, he gets to, he took a photo and video and he, and he can show his next future clients that, obviously. But anyway, he did really good. So thank you. Okay, so yeah, the festival so much drama happened during that. I actually got called in by the WKA guys. Like, as soon as I got out of the hospital, they were like, Jade, can you come over and have a meeting with us and, like, just talk about things and whatever. So then, yeah, I just just days after surgery, I had to go to the um, the hotel, the main hotel they were at, and have a meeting with them. And, yeah, I'm not sure how how 
well or not the games went really that year. But I do know there was a lot of drama, a lot of inside people, which have been doing the same thing year after year. Okay. Um, my dad had an initial team that maybe some of you people have seen these familiar faces year after year after year. But they've been like lying and cheating for my dad for so long, these Thai people. So if you come to the games next year, 2020, and you don't see these faces, then you will know who, okay? I mean, and I'm not going to say exactly what, but like, you know, like a lot of equipment went missing and I've even heard of like a lot of fake certificates were being sold, like they made copies of this and that. So like, yeah, these people, one guy used to work at our gym, he's not there anymore, so you can try and do some digging and figure out who that is. All right. So in April, just a month after, my fighter Panlit was going to fight in London in Muay Thai Grand Prix promotion. Uh, so I had to arrange all of his visa and this and that. And obviously I have a British passport, so I had to go with him. I'm like, oh my God, it's one month after my surgery. I'm not even sure if this is, if this is allowed, but I had to wear a, like a back brace for so long. So I was wearing that and, you know, I went through the airport, like little metal detector and I was like, oh my God, am I going to beep? But I didn't, I didn't beep because apparently the screws are so deep in your body that it doesn't um, set it off. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, went to London. That was a bit awkward. I had to like, on the plane, I had to stand up and sit down like so many different times and walk around and stretch. Yeah. I don't like doing that. I feel like paranoid. If I saw someone else doing that whilst I was on the plane, I'd be paranoid. Like, why is this person moving around so much? But anyway, yeah, so Penlit looked afar. He won. He was super cool. We stayed in London for like three days and then came back. It was exhausting. In May, we went, I, went, I went to China with my dad and we were supposed to be looking into promoting fights there. But um, the Chinese contact... Very on and off, so I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Not anytime soon, that's for sure. Then, after that, I had a little bit of a rant on Facebook about Muay Thai, and a lot of people watched it and seemed to agree with me, and I actually called it the death of Muay Thai in Thailand because you know I was talking about how you can't get sponsors here. People are very backstabby and cheating and lying and this and that and that. Um, people don't market the sport properly and they don't see the long-term growth. They don't plan the long-term growth so well. They just plan for the now. It's very Buddhist though. Like being in, being in the moment is very Buddhist. So you may notice this within the character of the people in Thailand. Anyway, so yeah, I had a little bit of a rant and uh, my good friend Joel from Bangkok University contacted me about doing podcasts after that. Because uh, luckily he has been doing podcasts for himself. And yeah, we met up and we spoke about doing this. So here we are today. And it's funny because I actually hated talking. And I was so crap at it at the beginning. I was so scared. And I feel like now I'm doing okay. <laughs> so yeah, you, you have to challenge yourself. Like get out of your comfort zone, do something new, learn something new. Which is so true because, you know, last year... 
I learned salsa. I learned bachata. I learned how to do basic Photoshop. You know, I've learned how to do basic WordPress. You know, you're always, you're constantly learning. So you constantly have to challenge yourself to do something new and also to improve yourself as well. So I feel like my my talking is getting a little bit better now, which is great. I'm also trying to read more. So like it can help my vocabulary at the same time. <laughs> you know, when you live in Thailand, especially when you're working in a Muay Thai gym, your English tends to get a little bit crap, basically. So I'm speaking like this horrible mixed Thai English sort of way. Tinglish, right? That's what they call it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So let me start doing this. And then, yeah, it's going good. I had I have episodes with Senchai and Champuk and so many cool guests that you definitely need to check them all out. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to June. There was more drama coming back from the games, the World Games. Um, a, a woman who'd been working with my dad for a long time, we found out she stole so much money. She was like... The biggest scammer ever. Oh my God, my dad lost so much. And like this woman had, she was supposed to be a family friend. You know, you may know her. She looks like that freaking secretary from the Incredibles cartoon movie. Little black hair and glasses. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So my dad was like really, really down and stressed and all the above you know like he actually became a monk for nine days because of it he felt like that could help him clear his mind or get some good karma back and this and that and he's never actually been a monk before you know usually Thai men once in their life they're a monk and it's usually like quite younger but my dad at 65 years old became a monk just after his birthday because of all this all these people who've been like fucking him over but that's why another reason why I had a rant about Muay Thai, because I feel like in this industry, it's so shitty, it's so corrupt, and there's so many people you just cannot trust. Anyway, so yeah, he became a monk, and I was like, all right, well, you're going to run away and do that. And I was like, fine. I was like, okay, I want to go somewhere too. I want to do something too. So then I was like, mom, like maybe I want, uh, can I just like go like on a vacation? I spoke to my friends in America, and then I went to California after, after my dad's whole monk thing. So late June, I went to California, and I've not been there since 2015, 2016. Yeah, 2016, June is when I left. Yeah, so then um, I went there, I saw my friends, and, like, it just wasn't how it used to be. Like, mm, there's a lot, a lot, a lot more homeless people in, in California, that's for sure. I feel like people live in this fake reality, you know, like they try and pretend that everything's good, everything's not really that good, or they spend a lot of money on things to show off and they don't have that money. And I feel like people need to snap back to reality. Hey, what line is that? Snap back to reality. (laughs) No, but yeah, they need to see reality a little bit more, you know, like... Focus on yourself. Don't focus on the other people around. Don't focus on what people see. You need to see yourself first. And I feel like a lot of people have lost their way in that sense. So I thought, yeah, this is not fun. Like, yeah, it was cool to go around California and see the old places that I used to go and check out some new places. Yeah, we met some nice people. But yeah, in the end, I was like, damn, like, 
you know, like people just seem lost. It was probably because of social media and so many different factors, but still, you know. Anyway, so after that, I was like, you know, I've been doing sports and Muay Thai and being very active and this and that, and I've had back surgery, you know, and I, I've during my recovery stage, I, I feel like I've done a lot of self-learning, you know, I've been reading, I've been watching a lot of documentaries, I've been finding a lot of interest in different topics, and I found a big interest in psychology. So, and I was thinking, you know, I do want to continue my studies, I want to do a master's degree, and I was like juggling between the idea of doing an MBA in business or a, a master's degree in psychology. So, I was talking to a few people, and I thought like, if I want to do business, really, then it's something you can actually learn on yourself, on your own. You know, you can watch YouTube videos, you can buy books, you can learn through experience. But psychology, I feel like you would have to go to school to learn psychology. You cannot be a practicing psychologist from a YouTube video. You know what I mean? You can be a business person, but not a, not a psychologist. So, yeah. So then, like, in July, I applied for Assumption University. That's the only international university that does um, a master's in counseling psychology in English language so I applied to them and I had my interview and it was pretty late to be honest and they're like are you ready it starts like in like next month which was like two weeks two weeks away I was like yeah I'm ready like what else am I gonna do you know why why would I contact you and tell you I want to start in August if I'm not ready and then, yeah, so they, I did that. I had my exam, everything was fine. And I, in August, I studied Assumption University. Uh, yeah, great. I love it. I think um, studying, going back to school is such an amazing thing. And we had that podcast about going back to ed- university and, and education at a later age. And I think it's so true and it's so good because um, we don't fully fully develop cognitively or the way that we think until like our 20s or even late 20s you know the way that we think is different so I'm so glad that I made this decision and I feel like it will be a complete new direction for my life and change my life a lot because like I said with my back surgery the whole active life is not a good idea for my long-term well-being right so yeah psychology is absolutely great loving it um I still did try and push female fight league a little bit uh me and Maya during that whole few months after the first one we we wanted to promote more fights but we were contacting so many different sponsors and just no one no one took much interest like another reason why I did that run because all these different Muay Thai events are asking the same sponsors you know and it's just so competitive and the sponsors are now not really seeing so much of a long-term benefit or not much of a a return in their investment so I kind of cancelled that not cancelled it but just put it to the side saying that we did continue the Muay Thai self-defense class we had one in Prompong next to K Village Uh, it was a free one because I still wanted to kind of get the name out there and it went well. A lot, like a few people came. I think it was like around twelve people came, which is okay because it was raining. It's rainy season, and like people just don't want to go anywhere in the rainy season. So actually, maybe it was less than twelve. I think twelve confirmed. 
But anyway, yeah, it was cool. But then we had some disagreement with the location, so then that kind of flopped, whatever. It was nice. Then in September, continuing university, um, but another friend of mine who I went to uh, international high school with in Bangkok, um, he committed suicide. And it's such a shame because this person... I was actually talking to you like early in that month or maybe it was like July, I suppose. Not. So there was September he committed suicide. Then I think it was August that I was speaking to him or early September. Yeah. And like it was someone, again, that you wouldn't expect and it never is. I feel like even even Nong Nen, you wouldn't expect because she just seemed like a very happy and friendly person. And when I was at Billy's funeral, and I was like, you know, he would be the person to get everyone talking. Because at that time, it was like everyone was separated and in their own little groups. But like, he would be the person to bring everyone together. And it's like, it's such a shame. And I feel like I'm so happy to be um, doing psychology because I feel like a lot of people are lost and a lot of people need a lot of help. People are suffering with depression and suicidal thoughts and they need someone to talk to. So... I'm glad that I made the decision to do psychology. It's a, uh, I feel like I can I can help a lot of people, even with Nong Nen. Like, um, I was roommates with her last in 2018 at this Muay Thai camp thing, and like we, you know, she was open to me and she was sharing things and gossiping with me and stuff. And at that time, I thought this girl's kind of lost. She needs guidance, but you know, like after the camp, we just separated ways and. That was like it until like end of the year. So I feel like I could help these people like I could, and, and I really want to. And I do feel like using sports can be a tool to do that because a lot of people are scared to approach psychologists. But if you use something that's a more comfortable tool, like I said, or a setting or whatever, then it's a good way to get to these people and give these offer help to these people. So yeah, that is my overall plan. Then in October, um, another female fight league self-defense class at the Hive. This, this was kind of like the last one for the year. Um, just wanted to just to see another, just to see again after the rainy season. But again, it didn't really work. There wasn't many people, and I feel like women in Bangkok and not so bothered about learning self-defense or Muay Thai, really. I think mostly they want to do Muay Thai for exercise and for, you know, losing weight and looking good. But to learn a skill that could possibly be help them and save them, like, they're just not so interested. So, I don't know, I can't change that. So I just have to accept that. And that's absolutely fine. But if anyone wants to learn with me, they can hit me up. That's fine. But I'm not going to push for these self-defense classes anymore because um, in Bangkok, it's there's no market for it yet that I see. All right. I've not really spoken much about Luxafar. Like, we've been quiet over the rainy season and then until November, we were quiet. Um, but in December, now it's December, We've been picking up a lot and it, it's very seasonal, I feel like, the Muay Thai scene. And not just the Muay Thai scene, but Thailand, you know, we're, we're a tourist destination. So it's very seasonal during rainy season, not that many people. And also because the bat 
is so high. It's so high, the Thai baht. So people are not coming here like they used to. So that's kind of uh, weighing on the country, I feel like. A lot of people are losing this year. I don't think it's a very good idea to make a business, a big business, or invest in something big right now. All right, so in December, <laughs> I finally made peace. Well, I, fi I just finished the semester of the university, the first semester. Anyway, so I finally made peace with myself and that I cannot do Muay Thai anymore. I tried. I tried. And my back was in so much pain for like two weeks after. And then after that, it's still kind of not been that much better. So I don't think I can do Muay Thai anymore. I can shadow box, but not hit pads, not hit the bag, not go hard. And yeah, you may say, oh, just go soft then. I can't. Okay. I used to be a professional fighter. If I just, it's so difficult for me to just do a soft, soft kick for like so many times, you know, if I, I'd just rather not do it. I'll just shadow box. So I'm going to do Muay Thai more. We'll see in like the long-term future. But I started Pilates and it's so good. And it's strengthening my core and it's strengthening my back, strengthening my entire body. And I think I'm just going to keep on continuing with Pilates for now. Uh, what else has happened? There's been a lot of drama with IFMA. You may have seen uh, all the Muay Thai organizations not all, the, not all, all the amateur Muay Thai organizations had a little meeting together um, discussing the problems with IFMA because apparently IFMA basically they're trying to have, they're trying to have all control over the amateur Muay Thai industry and not even just amateur now, they're trying to dip into the professional as well. I mean, they're, they're, they're together with WMF, WMC, right? So they're trying to capitalize on all of that and all the Muay Thai. And apparently they, saw, they had some issues or gave some issues to a fighter or a couple of fighters who want to go and fight outside the country, you know, and they would uh, um, release letters to promoters saying that if it's not authorized by them, then they cannot fight and so on. So they're trying to have a monopoly over the Muay Thai industry from what it seems. So yeah, all the organizations had a meeting about that. Um, I don't really know where it stands right now. Obviously, they're retaliating and uh, replying with different types of letters and whatever. So I don't know. We'll see. Look at Facebook to see the updates. Maybe that's probably the best place to go to. Uh, aside from that, we're planning the World Games next year in Pattaya. So we want a complete new start, new people, new team. You know, we have uh, organizers helping us. So we don't have that old team that was like cheating for my dad anymore. And in Pattaya, which is a new place, you know, we've been doing it in Bangkok for forever. So it's nice to have a different place and uh, we'll see how it goes. It's on the sands though. So that's a bit of a worry. Don't know how that will be having the sand on the ring we need to like have a lot of people helping to clean very often okay so that's the championships and look to far and the other night i uh i volunteered at the village education it's a special needs school and they had their christmas party 
thing and I helped out there and I think I want to try and do something a bit more with them as well because uh we had one guy come and talk at my university and he kind of inspired me a lot and then and they, he was telling me like you know some of these kids say they have autism or they're dyslexic or this and that and that they have very low self-esteem so I spoke to him and maybe I can help him uh with these kids you know like help them boost confidence through sports and through counseling as well so hopefully next year there'll be more um more into that last thing uh my friend Leah we had the smart farm um podcast together where you know I told you she was the Danish something about the pirate and the smart farm thing she lives in Pitsnew Lok anyway she's now got this new project starting off it is the bamboo quest and it's about eco farming and reusable 100% natural and organic straws so they're made from bamboo they're made from we have different ones there's bamboo there's rice paper not rice paper rice flour uh some types of grass and all these like very natural um materials we make into straws so if you look at the video now like this is something like this the bamboo quest and they're so cool and yeah they're available for sale you can actually get your uh business name or whatever engraved on the straw you know so just look up the bamboo.com and uh save the world one straw at a time right <laughs> all right so yeah that's pretty much my year a lot a lot happened a lot of ups and downs a lot of uh tried test didn't work learned from it move forward you know like that is life you know lots of shit happens and we cannot dwell we cannot sulk just get on just move plan replan restructure find a new goal and go for it like i said my whole life was sports i had major back surgery and now i'm moving to psychology and moving and moving from physical health to mental health you know like there's always another direction that we can go into you know um, my dad's championships in he'd been in Bangkok all these problems let's move to Pattaya let's have a fresh start you know like I really want to show you and tell you that so much shit happens we fail all the time but you know fail failing is the best way to learn and you gotta learn from it you have to move forward find a new goal all the time and just keep on working towards it so anyway Everyone, I want to wish you a very happy new year, 2020. Thank you for listening to this episode. Best wishes, be smart, strong, and healthy. Sodika.